0: We're back in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 23. It's one of those uh, chapters that really, I think I've got it because nobody else wanted it, if I'm honest. Yeah, that Gavin's nodding. Um, it, it's really, a, 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 you know, Roger. Said, Do you think you could preach that for us? Because he said I, I'm away, and uh, just be good if you could. Thought, oh yeah. And then I read it, and and, and you think, Lord, give me. Lots of mercy, please. But we'll, we'll see what God has to say out of it, because sometimes when you wrestle through a scripture and you face the truth of what's being said, you think, oh, perhaps God has something to say to us. He has something to, to say to me. And as, there's 31 verses in this chapter. We're not going to read all of it. It's full of opportunities for preaching. Absolutely full. But so what I want to do, we'll, we'll, I want to give you an overview and then bring out some application and even challenges that can apply to us today. Now, I have two points. That's good, isn't it? Only two. The shock and the challenge. So we have in Matthew 23, here's Jesus continuing to speak to the crowds. He'd been doing that up up and around the temple area on the, on the, the Temple Mount, and he continues to speak to these crowds. It's been a whole load of of speaking to crowds. Well, the crowds include a variety of people like Sadducees and Scribes and Pharisees and then many other people who were there just because they wanted to be where Jesus was. If I, if I read the, the Gospels, I find people went because they wanted to be where Jesus was. They didn't often know what he was talking about. And they often, all they wanted was where Jesus was, good things were happening. Where Jesus was, people were being healed. Where Jesus was, the leader's the, the Pharisees got upset. Wow, that's exciting, isn't it? And he, 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 he might, that's what's going to happen here, too. So, Matthew chapter 23. We're going to go through the first 12 verses and um, I'll sort of break in every now and again. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. Nice for them. But what. Jesus is getting at here is that the scribes and Pharisees are the ones who hold the laws and the values that God gave His people through Moses. They're, they're the keepers of the law. They're the, supposed to teach and demonstrate what it means to be a Jew, how to live, how to live God's way, to keep the law. They, they were there not just to teach it, but to demonstrate it, and through their lifestyle and so on. They're, they were to be the influencers of their day. Isn't it funny? people say, "And what's your job?" I'm an influencer. Have have you noticed that seems to be the modern thing? What a bizarre, bizarre world. I'm definitely getting old. An influencer. Wow. It worries me that people who want to get influenced. Really? However, they were supposed to be the influencers of their day. Jesus continues, Jesus says, Do and observe whatever they tell you, but do not do the works they do. For they preach, but they don't practice. They were teaching it right, but weren't personally living it out. They, They weren't being examples to the people, they were being hypocrites. Jesus goes on, they tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to move them them with their finger. They do all their deeds to be seen by others. For they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. It's exciting, isn't it? Anybody got a phylactery? A phylactery is a box. And the the Pharisees would keep in the box little bits of scripture written out. And they would would keep it. okay, And, And they'd carry it attached to their forehead or their forearm. My box is bigger than your box. You can imagine what goes on with that, can't you? And it became the thing, showing off your large phylacteries. <laughs> so it makes you laugh, but actually this was what was going on. And their fringes. It, it was the. Their clothing, their priest's clothing, and they had a a, a blue fringe. And they made long fringes to show off. Again, my fringe is longer than your fringe. That type of thing. Now, we wouldn't even dream of doing anything like that, would we? (laughs) But you see, the same things are there the world over and throughout history. We want to show off, we want to be on display. The scribes and Pharisees were no different. I praise God that I don't have to wear a fringe. I don't think I'd look very good in a fringe. And Jean would not allow it. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus continues, he said, "'They loved the place of honour at feasts "'and the best seats in the synagogue "'and greetings in the marketplaces "'and being called rabbi by others.' But you're not to be called, Rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you're all brothers and sisters. And call no man your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. Neither be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Christ. The greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted, Clearly, the scribes and the Pharisees, they were proud of their titles, proud of their position. Over the years, having been a leader for forever, it feels like, church-wise, it's amazing. Just occasionally, you come across a leader who will say, excuse me, don't you know who I am? You ever come across that? I knew one whose daughter kept saying, do you know who my father is? Yeah, I think he's called Fred. But you, we, we like position. We like titles. We like to be seen. We like to show off. Don't we? Ever? Ever? You may not be a leader, but it's still easy to want to show off not saying it's wrong to look smart but if we're not careful it's all about how we present ourselves how we're seen it's worth reminding ourselves here of who's actually talking this is jesus okay this is jesus this is god talking he's the second person of the trinity and he's being very confrontational he's even rude let me read some of it to you. You see, we, we think, I'll read it in a minute, we think that God wouldn't do that. We think God's always nice. He always cares. He always understands. He always strokes me when I, I need a bit of comfort. I'm sure he'll do all of those things. But let's not fall into the trap of thinking of God as a a gentle giant, a lovely person who will just always be nice. What a horrible word, nice. It is nice to be nice, but who's judging? We want God to be kind and non-challenging we don't want confronting when we're out of line. We want him to say it's okay, really. Don't we? We, 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 we don't want anybody to go, that, that's out of line. No, we want somebody to say, no, it doesn't matter. It does. It matters. Sin matters to God. Still in our world, there's right and there's wrong. And wrong still matters. And God is very blunt about it. Let's be very careful that we be, don't personally become sloppy and hypocritical in our own walk with God and therefore say, I don't want any correction. I, I, I know God loves me. I can do what I like. You can do what you like, but there are consequences. I think Jesus shocked his listeners here, he wasn't being nice. Yes, he'd healed the sick, he'd raised the dead, he'd done all sorts of wonderful things. The people loved him. But those that should have known better, those who were to set the example, those who were the ones who were to lead the people, he confronted them head on. In fact, he says seven times to them in this chapter, woe to you, scribes, Pharisees. Now if somebody goes woe to you, it's generally a sign of gloom. It's bad news. Woe. It's not just woe, stop. It's woe, judgment's coming. Let's read a few of those things. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces, for you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. Woe well, to you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel across the sea and land to make a single proselyte. But actually, a proselyte, what that means a convert. Let's go and witness. Let's go and convert people to Judaism. And he says, and when this person becomes a proselyte, you make him twice as much a child of hell as you are. Wow, how to win friends and influence people. Wow. He can't say that to me. He just did. It's funny growing up today, I, I have, Gene and I have five granddaughters. It's amazing, they, they've grown up, you know. 17, 18, 15, 13, and somewhere else, <laughs> 11. <laughs> the, 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 you know. Did I get it right, just about? Oh, it was a nine-year-old somewhere, okay. You'd be amazed how the older ones said, granddad, you can't say that. No, no, not today. You're not allowed to say that. And my answer is always, well, I just did. <laughs> do, do you see, we, we get, oh, you can't say that. No, no, you're not allowed to use that word now. You can't call people that. You can, oh, am I allowed to speak? Not really, granddad, because you're old. <laughs> is, is Jesus allowed to say this? Well, he just did. And he's God. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence, you blind Pharisee. First clean the outside of the cup and the plate, that the outside then may be clean. And then there's this one, This is how you win friends and influence people. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites, for you're like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness wow, Well, that, that, that's not nice, is it? Really? Anybody want God to say that to you? No? Oh, no, God wouldn't do that. He might. Because he loves you. But he might. He's God, you see. He's the boss. His will stands supreme. He will have his way. We don't negotiate with God. We obey him. We respond to his love and grace and mercy. And we need to understand that. In John 8, verse 32, we read this. It says, Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word and you are truly my disciple and you, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now, does Jesus speak truth? Always. Does God speak truth? Always. God never lies. God never winks at sin. God never pretends. He says it like it is. You see, he's not talking when Jesus said, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. He's not just talking about the gospel here. He used the Greek word aletheia. And the word aletheia means things as they really are. Things as they really are. We've lived, certainly, I don't know if it's it's true today, but in years gone by, I've had people say, yeah, but what's true for you is different from me. My truth's different from yours. Is that popular still? That's my truth. No, no, there's only one truth. And it's what God says. There's only one truth, and it's things as they really are. Oh. Yeah, but if I believe it, it's going to be true then. No. No. I remember years ago, I heard a lady say, she said, oh, I I believe I'm going to die and come back as a butterfly. And and the question was, and what's the basis for that? What do you base that on? Well, It's because what I believe, and it's because I believe it, it will be true because it's my truth. No, it's total self deception. It needs confronting. You will know the truth, things as they really are, and that will set you free. The truth about God oh how we want to paint a picture of god which is less than god we want to make him this nice benevolent god is awesome god is beyond compare god is frightening god is love god is amazing we're made in his image and likeness and that's astonishing but comes with that comes with that is a huge responsibility i don't want to make god palatable he's very unpalatable unless you're going to bow the knee. God, help us. The truth about God, his character, his love, his purposes, the truth about humankind. Do you ever think, I'm not like that. I'm, I'm not as bad as them. Do you ever? And then God's whispering in your ear, Actually, you're worse. Give you her. The truth about humankind humankind are lost without Jesus. There is no hope for this world unless it's Jesus. There isn't another answer. We're not just gradually going to get better and better and, and make everything nice. It's not going to happen. And if you look around, it isn't happening the truth about sin and God's judgment. We don't like to talk about judgment, but there is a day coming when every one of us will have to stand and give an account before God. And when we do, we won't be able to say, I'll, I'll take Gavin with me and he can stand alongside. And I'll say, Lord, I, I'm not very good, but he's better than me. You can't do it. You stand on your own. I didn't know whether to talk about this, but I have a, a dear, dear friend. Um, we, we met when we were both 19. His name's Graham. You've, you may have even uh, heard me talk about him, some of you, in the past. Uh, although perhaps your memories aren't so good now, so it doesn't matter. Um, my friend Graham, we were like brothers. We worked for the Hammond organ company doing electronics and music, and uh, we just clicked. He, he was the best sinner I've known and yet we are like brothers, great friends. And for years and years, he's the same age as me now, as he was then. We were 19. <laughs> yeah, he hasn't <laughs> changed. That sounded funny, that, right? <laughs> we're both 73. And I have witnessed to my friend, and I got him to church a few times, and I even got him to a carol service one year in Northern Keynes. And, and he said to me the next day, he said, you know, in, in that service, I had a picture. <laughs> I'm like, you had a picture? He said, yeah, yeah, I, I saw a road with lots of manhole covers on it. And he says, it was like all the traffic suddenly got stopped and the manhole covers started to shake and, and the, the manholes popped off. And we all had to look into the sewer of our own lives. This is carol service, by the way. <laughs> Happy Christmas. And, <laughs> and I said, Whoa. He, he knew. He, he knew. I, I, years gone by, I've had him sit with me crying, say, I know you have the answer for my life. Been through so much, he's never, never turned to Jesus. I've prayed for him every day. He's never turned to Jesus. Because when he stands before, he said to me, I said, you'll stand before God one day. And he said, yeah, but he said, I'll say, I've got a friend (laughs) and he's a vicar. I said, it won't count, Graham. It won't count. We stand on our own and we need to be in Christ. We need to be clothed with his righteousness. we need to be not dealing standing clothed in our own sin. anyway, this week, the reason I tell you that this week i we, we, I suddenly got an email from his daughter um who I've never been in touch with I can't remember if I haven't spoken to her since she was about that high, and she's forty now or thirty eight or something and she said i I, I just thought you might appreciate it." some information about my dad, because this week he has been diagnosed with Alzheimer's. Now, I knew things weren't good because uh, trying to phone him was increasingly difficult. He just didn't seem himself at all. I couldn't get a conversation out of him. And it's getting ver- worse very, very quickly. And she said, I appreciate it. Try- Can you keep trying to phone him because he's told he needs stimulus? But really, I, sp- I phoned him this week. He's... he's he shut down. He can't talk about anything. You speak anything, just yes. That literally it. I mean, he's an, e- an engineer. He would. I said, does Bluetooth work with your hi-fi? Uh, no. I, it's, it's serious, and it's going like that. Now, this is my dearest friend, but my dearest friend isn't saved, and that is the biggest issue. Isn't that the biggest issue? Don't you think? People need Jesus. <laughs> Gina and I are talking about to try and go down to Milton Keynes to see him, meet the family. I'm thinking, well, there's some family there. There's two daughters, an ex-wife. I, maybe we should go because the family will need support. But actually, you know what? The family need Jesus. And something in me's kicked off this week, and I'm thinking, when Jesus, Gene said, Shall we perhaps arrange to go down at the end of the month, October, and spend a few days in a hotel in Milton Keynes and see if we can? My friend Graham needs Jesus. But we all have friends and neighbors, and they need Jesus just as much. It's vital. It's vital people come to Christ. It's not, it would be nice. It's vital. They need to know about Jesus and the cross. Jesus died instead of us. Jesus died for our sin, that He would take our sin. And his righteousness would be accredited to us. Are you born again today? Have you put your trust in Jesus or you're just playing church? You need to know Jesus for yourself. You need to say, I put my trust in him. He's the only one who can save. That's what the cross is all about. And Jesus said, you'll know the truth. Here's the truth about the cross. And he goes to the cross and he demonstrates the love of God. But Jesus is also talking about the truth about ourselves. The truth of what we're really like on the inside. I I don't always want to face that. As I said, I'm, I'm sure I'm not that bad, am I, Lord? Well, do you really want me to tell you? Now, the good news is his grace says, even when I'm not right, even when I stumble and fall, He's covered me in his grace and mercy and his righteousness is still mine. That's the gospel. So There's not something to be scared of in that way, but if we want to live in such a way that gives honor and glory to God, then, then we're saying, God, cleanse me. Make me like Jesus. Let me be a good influencer in my day. Don't you want your friends to know about Jesus? Perhaps as they look at you, they might see Jesus. That's what you want, isn't it? The way you live, the way you do business, the way you talk, the language you use, things, what you do for entertainment, all of those things. Lord, show me what I'm like. The people he was speaking to on the Temple Mount, they should have been the influences of their day. They're the ones, the people to look to. They had the words, but if they'd lived out the lifestyle, they'd have been showing people what it was like to live before a holy God, to live life where God means everything. They They weren't to be hypocrites, and yet that's what he calls them. They were there to show people the glory and love of God and the freedom they'd find as they lived his way. And so he confronts them with truth. They're shocked and offended, and in, they couldn't wait to crucify him. You can't say that to me. You can't tell me that. You can't speak that way, granddad. You can't, you can't say that about people. People need Jesus. It's the only way. People need to be right with God. Jesus is the only way. That's, that's the shock. What about the challenge? Is there a challenge for us? Yeah, I think there might be. You see, we, the church... Are to be the influences for Jesus in our day. Okay? Through our lifestyle, through our behavior, through our language, through our thinking. So we seek to live holy lives that are pleasing to God. Through our love and compassion. I, I care about my friend. I replied to, to the email his daughter sent, and I said, "I'm, I'm sure you you, you know I'm been a Christian pastor for years." And I said, "I've prayed for him, and I will now start praying for you and your sister and all involved." And she replied just last night, and she said, amongst other things, "Thanks for your prayers." I thought, "Oh yes." I've got to thank you for praying. That opens the door, doesn't it? I'm going to walk through it. I'm definitely going to walk through it. Watch this space. I care about my friend. But I care about the world. I care about my next door neighbours. I care about my family but God cares more. God cares more. Revealing the love of God to a lost and dying world is our number one priority. Before anything else, before we feed the hungry, before all of that, I'm not saying we shouldn't feed the hungry, but the number one priority is that we make Jesus known even if we, people get offended by that. I say, Lord, give me your grace to help me walk this way, live this way. It won't always be easy. Lord, would you give me your grace and confront me with the truth of what I'm really like so I can be more like Jesus. I well remember well remember in nineteen eighty three how God called me out one day. As I say I, I was working as an engineer for the Hammond Organ Company doing keyboard electronics and music. That been doing that since I was a little boy really and I, I loved it then and I love it still and it's kind of, I always say I'm an electronics engineer who loves Jesus. It's what I do. In nineteen eighty three I was an elder at the local church and I preached every other Sunday I went full time in 1985. Anyway, I was at Hammond, and I was the guy who always was first to get hands on the new products as they came in from America and Japan. The, these were excellent products, so, some of them worth £25,000 in 1980. You know, and people, and people bought them. And I got to, to play these strings and to test it out and ch- check it out and make sure it all worked. You know, I, I loved it. The problem was, there was one little thing that always bothered me, and that was the string send. I just didn't like it. This is Hammond organ, good stuff. I didn't like it. And so I, I thought it needed to be more like other manufacturers did, like Yamaha and other people. And so being the guy I was, I made it sure that the powers that be knew my opinion, that's rubbish that. That's rubbish that. And so what happens? One day I suddenly became aware that the sales staff all avoided me. Oh why what? what is that? And they went, Oh it turned out I they, they were trying to sell the product and I was being negative about it and, and it put them off. And so I became anything but a blessing. I was a bit irritated by that, I thought they need to be told, they need to understand and then, and then I heard this in my head how dare you how dare you oh, oh he didn't have to tell me off oh, it was tough Why are you always finding the negative? Why are you always complaining? You work here to reveal my kingdom and to be a blessing to those around you. That should be your priority. You preach it enough. Live it. Oh, I was so ashamed. I can still feel it. I was just like, oh. Oh took me a couple of days to sort myself out before God. I needed to repent and to change my attitude. And it's a lesson I've never forgotten. Because when God calls you out on things, you won't forget. And it's good that he does. Because he loves us too much to leave us like we are. So next time I I got right with God and next time I saw the sales guys, I... I went and sought them out and apologized. And I said, I do apologize. I'm so sorry. It will not happen again. And it never did. A few months later, the managing director came to me and he said to me, I don't know what it is. He said, But when you're like this, you are such a good guy to be around. And again, I felt so ashamed. I thought, Oh, God, I was this guy complaining when I could have been a blessing? I still think the strings were rubbish, but that's not the issue. (laughs) The issue is the way I handled it. You okay with it? You understand where I'm coming from? Over the next little while, people started to seek me out rather than avoid me. In responding to God confronting me, many things changed at work and an increasing opportunity for the gospel opened up. One of the guys got saved. It, it just, everything changed. People would seek me out for advice, for help, for counsel. And I was just an engineer who loved Jesus. As I say, I've discovered, well, I haven't said this yet, but I'm going to, <laughs> I, I've discovered over the years the biggest battleground is my own heart. Anybody? <laughs> you know, I, I can smile at you, say, hi. Bless you. but the battleground is in here God if I'm going to live right I need to be right because I will live out what's in here ouch make me like Jesus Lord that's my prayer I want to be increasingly an ins- influencer for Jesus That's my calling, that's your calling, that's the church's calling. And we need to cooperate with God as He refines us and makes us more like Him. And He's ever so gracious as He does it. He's not nasty to us, He's rude. (laughs) He confronts, but He's not nasty because He loves us. At the end of this chapter, Jesus said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. The city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it—how often would I have gathered you, your children, like a hen gathers her brood under her wings? And you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, "Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord." I believe actually that he's talking about is when he returns in all his glory. Luke's account of that tells us that as Jesus was saying that, he was weeping over Jerusalem. It's only twice in Scripture we we read of Jesus weeping. This is one of those times. He sees, oh, Jerusalem, don't you see the people of God? And he's weeping, his heart's broken, he's full of compassion. God so loved the world. And he gave his one and only son and whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. I can't help, I look across my neighbours and I think you need to know Jesus because the only way you'll ever get eternal life is, is to know him and, and some of my neighbours are getting pretty old. They, they're getting on. <laughs> it's am I. You know. It's urgent. When you're young, you think, oh, it's plenty of time for people to find Jesus. There's not when you're 80. There's not. There's not if you're my friend at 73 and he's got Alzheimer's so bad he can't process anything. I'm praying for a miracle. Our world needs Jesus. He's the only hope. He's the only one who can save. He's the only one who can deal with our sin. And we, the church, are the only ones who can make him known. We are the only ones on earth who can make him known to a lost and dying world. A great prayer in, I'm just about done, in Psalm 139, verses 24 and 23. I pray it occasionally. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I pray that God will help us to be more and more like Jesus in our day. Look around, it doesn't get any better than this. This is the church, warts and all, with a wonderful saviour, a wonderful God who will call us out, he will refine us, he will change us and continue seeking to work and make us more and more like his glorious son. Come on, let's stand, we're gonna sing our song again. Can you make this your prayer now? Maybe? Do you want to live right? Do we want to live for his glory and honor? You know what? God's not keeping score. He'll give you all you need to do that. All the grace you need to live right is there. Yeah, you'll stumble and fall, but that's grace. But he needs to know your heart. Let's sing it through a few times, then I'll pray we're done. Is that okay? I want to live right, that God may use me at any time and anywhere. I want to live right, that God may use me at any time.